the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Hoya, hoya. Good evening, everyone. This is the Soapster. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Bible Live broadcast. Uh, just having a great, great conversation with Jacob here in the studio. And man, I'm, I am telling you what, I am more and more grateful that he is willing to come here and, and uh, take the chance of opening up the scriptures and sharing with us some of that uh, really special, unusual that none of us have heard before. Most of us, I would say, have not heard so many of the. And you're telling me, Jacob, not only not only the Christian community, but even in, in Jewish circles, that some of the things that background, the Hebrew instruction, the traditions and language and so on, uh, even in, among the Jewish population at large, there's a lot of that's not that's been lost or not referred to as well? Well, uh, yeah, well, whatever the process, the result's the same. Well, I tell you, we need that perspective. It, it's not like anything that Jacob tells me ever. I don't think anything you've ever told me or a background or information uh, about the Scriptures has ever. It's never made any kind of a difference in terms of the ultimate 
the ultimate message of the scriptures, the redemptive plan of God, God's design for mankind to be called into a relationship with himself and, and, in, and for us to live as redeemed people here on planet Earth and so on. It's, never, it's not like it changes the gospel or anything that we get, but there's so many passages that just make so much sense uh, when we get be, beyond uh, we're going to look at one of those passages tonight can we do that okay yes. now In here fact, if you'll be kind enough you can look at your question are we talking about book of numbers or book of numbers. deuteronomy numbers numbers okay look at your number seven number seven while on the east side of the jordan hey you know what john's wanting our attention what does john want he wants us to give the telephone number oh three four zero ninety five eighty five thanks two, john two ten that's right we do have an area code that you have to enter in nowadays, or at least some people may have to with their smartphones and all, Uh, 210-340-9585. So uh, thank you, John, for that reminder, and uh, Jacob for passing it on. I mean, uh, we'll get that number out there. You can give a call and be a part of the program as well. But we're just talking about this passage. Now, we're in the book of Numbers this week, uh, chapters 27 through 36, and we have... Now, a a major transition going on. Remember, the book of Numbers takes its name from these two sensei, I don't know, census that were taking the counting of the men of arms, 20 years of of age and older, among the uh, people of Israel. And they take this uh, one census early, but then they refuse to go into the promised land. Uh, We have the experience of the 12, uh, mm, you didn't call them spies, you called them emissaries or something like that. emissaries would be a good word, sure. So uh, they went in, and uh, they came back with a pessimistic uh, message, we can't do it, they're too big, we're like grasshoppers, whatever it is. But they failed the test. The people did. They would not go in. They would not trust God to go into that land that had been promised uh, to them through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, So they they are then relegated to wander 40 years in the wilderness until that generation of men die away. And uh, so 40 years later then, they take another census before they're going in to the promised land. So uh, we'll pick up on that. But you were mentioning um, when they were gathered on the east side of the Jordan, now they are they're they're getting they're very, what are, where they're fixing to, as we would say in Texas, yeah. uh, they're fixing to go into the promised land. They're preparing. They're there on the east side of the Jordan River, uh, where they're going to be for a good while. Um, uh, Joshua, uh, is he already taking leadership, or is he? Uh, no, no, not yet. No, he's not still, yet, not he's, yet. but he's uh, being prepared to take over the leadership. He's been uh, Moses' assistant for many uh, years now, and so Joshua is, is preparing to take over the leadership of the people of Israel, and so on. But here they are camped on the east side of the Jordan. And you say, uh, what did the tribes of Reuben, Gad? And Manasseh request from Moses. Well, I'm going to go ahead and answer it because you think there's. Uh, do you want me to? Or do, sure, let's talk about the, it. The fact is that they they said, "Hey, we we uh we want our land here." When, in other words, it was 
I guess the natural thing, the understood thing, was they were going, going to go into this promised land, and it would be apportioned or allotted to the different tribes. Twelve tribes. Uh, and, but they said, you know, we would rather have our allotment of land right. on this east side of the uh-huh. Jordan. Uh-huh. So why is that particularly uh, well, interesting? I, I kind of get, they immediately responded and said, whoa, you're trying to back out of the deal? You're not going to go over and fight for the, with the rest of us? You're well, gonna... let's, let's always try to interpret things from the principle. Okay. Of God's laws. All right. Now, did what's going on is, of course, they're on the east side of the river, and uh, looking the, over at the walled city of Jericho, sure. I suppose, right? Yeah, and they go up there, and and actually, it's fascinating. Just as an aside, when Moses goes up on the mountain, he's looking over. It's the Hebrew is like what you might call future tense, and some of the sages throughout the ages have said, well. He's looking at Israel, but he's not just looking at the ge- geography. He's looking at the future history. What it will become. Yeah, what he it, sees uh, all of time. Hmm. Now, that's an interesting thought. It's comforting to me. Yeah, you mentioned that last week. Uh-huh. Uh, why is it comforting? I'm just curious. Because uh, that tells me that there is an end as well as a beginning. <laughs> okay. Well, that's now, interesting. A, that is interesting and now, encouraging. Before <laughs> they cross the river... Was God's laws in effect that they could pick their other pieces of land before they crossed the river? Or was God's law they had to be into the land proper of Israel to divide the land of the 12 tribes? I don't know. Uh, the, you, you're right again. It, you know, God said, my law is you go into Israel. And these, it's actually two and a half tribes. It's Gad, Reuben, and the half tribe of Manasseh. Uh-huh. And they want the land. They said, because let me just read this verse to you. Well, explain first this half tribe thing so that uh, sure. sometimes people listening in for the first time and, and you say Reuben, Gad, and the well, half tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh what it, was what a does large that tribe. So half of Manasseh wanted to stay over on the east side of the river. And the and the other half of the tribe went ahead and did what they were supposed to. Oh, so and Manasseh was a large, a very large, very large populated, uh-huh. populated tribe. And mm-hmm. uh, and remember, they had a brother along the way, whose name was Ephraim. Oh, that was uh, Joseph's uh-huh. two sons right. from uh, his sure. he, uh, Egyptian wife down in Israel. In well, she Egypt, converted. Right? She was Jewish. She, okay, all right. Uh, but I mean, I she guess she was grafted in. You might say. I get it. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so here's the point: is now what's fascinating is this. So God's law was, and there was nothing at all that they could say. This is a really fine piece of land. Let's stay on this side of the river and listen to this verse. They said, that's uh, basically the two and a half tribes. If we found favor in your eyes, they're talking to Moses, let this land be given to your servants as a heritage. Do not bring us across the Jordan. Is that was that God's commandments and laws? The answer is no. No. So you were right again. The answer is no. Oh, I said I don't know, no, no, but no. Don't I, I only heard the word no. I don't um, know. Okay, that's <laughs> about it. That. That's better. Uh, so the answer is no. So, but Moses lets them exercise their free will, but he does put place a condition on them that they got to go over and help fight with the other brothers, right. the other tribes. But the point is, he lets them exercise their free will. Now. These two and a half tribes play a very significant historical meaning in a term, a legend, if you will, that every, probably every Jew, probably every Christian knows. 
Would you like to take a guess what it is? Mm. Mm. Hang on a second. Let me think. These now say it again. These two, these two and a half tribes. These, these three. Uh uh-huh. Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh. They play a role. They what play now? a role in a story or a legend, shall we say, whatever you want to call it, of something that every Christian has heard of, and every Jew knows, and it's something remarkable. Would you like a hint? Is it something from the teachings of Jesus? He actually refers to it or something? Yes, or? he does, as a matter of fact. But that's much later, you know. No, I don't know, but okay. Okay. Well, okay. Oh, yeah, give me a hint. Okay, okay. A hint is this. Um, this laid the groundwork, the seeds, for something that would come later when the northern kingdom was established. Dun, 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 ding. Dun, 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 dun. Let me see. Let me see. Come on. Come uh, would you, was there an incident where there was some rebellion and a northern kingdom was established? Yes, that was uh, uh, Rehoboam and uh, no, Rehoboam Jeroboam. Was in Judah. Jeroboam was Jeroboam was he, rebelled. Yeah, uh-huh. he rebelled. And what did he take with him? Dun, 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 ding. Come on, ten, Reuben, ten, ten tribes. tribes. Yeah, ten, uh, the northern and tribes. what happened? Those have now have a term that we're all familiar with. Samaritans. Okay, wait, wait, wait. No, okay. Those ten tribes have a term that we refer to. The lost tribes of Israel. Lost tribes or the uh, missing tribes. Or uh, the missing? Yeah. The, the, okay. Generally, the Jews yeah. are missing, but we'll say the lost tribes. The ten lost tribes of Israel, like. yeah. So, but... What? And after they rebelled and they went through, the first thing they did was reject all God's laws. They rejected David as the rightful Mm -hmm. king and his descendants. They rejected the priesthood, the Levitical. They set up up their own golden calves, Uh which is reminiscent of the mixed multitude Mm what they built at Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. So you've got all this going on. And they did survive, and they thrived for a short time. Uh-huh. But then they got captured and taken by Syria and Us- Nineveh Assyria. in Assyria. the north. Assyria, seven twenty-two yeah, B.C. Not, not Syria, but Assyria. Assyria, you're yeah. right. Yeah, and uh, I, I often make that mistake. That's okay. They're, everybody does. But so Assyria captured them. But what? Two things that are significant. What was the first tribes taken into captivity by Assyria? Would you like to guess? Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh? You got a Kimosabi. Truly. Yeah, so see, and what happened here... No, I'm Tonto. You're Kimosabi. Uh, that's true. I'm, okay. No, 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 no. You're Kimosabi. I'm Tonto Tito. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but at any rate, um, but the, but, so you've got the... the seeds planted mm-hmm. of a rebellion are here. But Moses lets them have their way. But why is it significant that they were the first tribes taken? Because I see now it was part of their consequences they, of their... They, this is seen as a rebellion in a way. Well, it is a rebellion. They said, no, no, let us stay in this land. Moses, that was not God's commandments. They wanted to be separate and they, this seed they planted became the seed that later festered and grew when the other tribes joined them. I see. And when they eventually were conquered by Assyria, the first tribes led away, according to Jewish history, were these tribes. And they are the ones that laid their first groundwork by not technically obeying God's laws. No, no. Technically, if Moses wanted to be a dictator, he could have said, hey, that's not the rules. We cross the river, then you get your land. You know, you don't stay over here. But uh, Moses, 
and God lets people have their own free will. So they stayed there. And he let they said, but go help us fight, then you can come back. Sure. And they, they, and they did. And they did. That was seemed to be the primary concern. Maybe Moses, maybe even the other leaders saying, wait a minute, you you mean you're going to stay over here? That, that comes to my mind out of the text. Uh-huh. But... Um, the idea that it, I didn't get the idea that it was unacceptable or that it was wrong. Well, here's the, you know why? Because we don't interpret the Bible uh-huh. pursuant to God's laws. If we do that, we can answer everything that Jesus taught. We can answer everything that's going on in this entire book. Because those were the rules. Now, God's not going to force her. He's not a dictator. Right. Moses I get is that. not a uh-huh. henchman. But uh, uh, disobedience, uh, lack of trust, lack of faith, and disobedience well, let's, to let's God go does and, have a consequence. It, let's go back and take a look. It says in the book of Kings mm-hmm. that when Joab, uh, Jer- Jeroboam rebelled, uh-huh. and it says he was not from the line of David. Says this that. is after the uh, after the uh, secession, uh, uh, when... when, when uh, David, um, uh, not Absalom, uh, Solomon. Okay. After Solomon's death, okay. you have uh, Jeroboam ascends, uh, uh, Rehoboam ascends to the throne. But there, he taxation because I'm just trying to help folks kind of get well. I know context but it's it's important. Rehoboam rebels. This is the focus somewhat. What I'm trying uh-huh. to say is this: is that yes, you're right. There was Solomon, and then and God said, "I'll leave Judah." in remembrance of David. Mm-hmm. But Jeroboam came along, and there's actually a verse in Kings that says, and Jeroboam was not of the line of David, but the ten tribes chose him. So that was the chosen king. Hadn't he been stirring up some problems from the well, foreign, actually, foreign, from down he, in he Egypt or something? He been selected as a good foreman, you might say, by Solomon. So Solomon was very impressed with his ability. Anyway, so they go off. But what's the very first thing they do when they get informed of the northern kingdom? The very first thing they do is they basically do away with God's laws. Mm -hmm. What did these tribes do, these three? They did away with one of God's laws. They said, we want to stay here. So when they formed the northern kingdom, they did it with the laws. And then there was some people that wanted to go down for Passover at the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, Jeroboam didn't like that. So he set up two gold calves right. at Dan and Bethel, exactly reminiscent of mm-hmm. mixed multitude and mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. the Mount Sinai. So what happens is they some people do go down. And then when they're coming back, a strange thing has happened that tells us about in the Book of Kings. Mm-hmm. The roads are blocked. He's got Jeroboam saying, you guys can't come back. You made your choice. You're down there. You went down there for Passover. So you're coming back here, Mm -hmm. and you cannot get past these roadblocks. You stay there. He had his sentries, his guards. Now, later, there was a king, uh, Hosea, that took those down. But that was uh, quite Mm -hmm. several years later. But Jeroboam stopped those people from coming back. And what they then all the people would go to their own worship places. So people pretty Kings. much had to choose between which God they were going to serve. The sure. God so of the Abraham. First thing is this. Is that right? That's right. So the first thing is this: is the first story with God's laws. Then you can have man-made laws. And the more man-made laws, we can make up our own government, our own religion. We can do everything we want. We're free. And the the three. But tribes, that has its consequences. That's the point. And what's happening here in your question, and that's what I was talking about, this is why it's kind of significant. Because if we say, wait a minute, 
Was that God's law that they can just pick the land they want? Now, Moses conceded. But was that the rules? No. So they did this. And those are the first ones taken captive by Assyria. Mm -hmm. Uh, So isn't that fascinating? This was the groundwork, the seeds for the later happenings of what we call the Ten Messing or Ten Mm -hmm, Lost Tribes. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Mm. Yeah, it is. It is very fascinating. And uh, I think there is a principle there. I get it. Uh, um, And again, this is one of those things when we know this context, when we realize, I, I think... The laws of God, you know, the Ten Commandments, and and is what we looked at in in the book of Leviticus, and the the application of those laws that to their lifestyle. Uh, it is very interesting that they they are relevant. They are they work. They function. They make sense. And yet, and when we when we break them, the effect is not always immediate. I, I assume, but but that there's always a price is always paid at some sure. point. Sure. Uh, I, I, of course, I and that's something we need to know as Americans today. That when we uh, when we break those principles of God's laws about the about how precious life is, and we we. Uh, Make decisions to discard life just because, on the basis of uh, convenience, uh, you know, with with abortion and the killing of innocent uh, children and so on. Other uh, other principles about finances, about economy, about uh, about sexuality, about relationships, husband, wife, marriage. When we break those rules. Uh, it, we're toying with a lot of those things these days in our culture. We're changing oh, yeah. up primary fun- things that have been in place. Culturally, I mean, actually, thousands of years, and we're turning it over and say, "Okay, we're going to redefine what marriage is, or this or that or the other," and we can do it. It's like you're saying, we can do it. We have there is free will. We, now can, let's go back, but and it visit, will have consequences. Let's visit an, another fascinating thought that kind of I think puts us in context. What reason was given? We're going to go into Deuteronomy, uh-huh. and uh, in Deuteronomy, Moses says, "Hey, you know, I'd really want to go over, okay?" And God says, "You can't." And what was the reason given, ostensibly, for Moses not going in? Uh, I think that what I have heard commonly taught is that Moses uh, struck the, on a second occasion when they needed water. Yes. he struck a rock instead of speaking he to God it. God had told him speak, he, to and it was the opposite the first uh, time. And this time he, but the point was is that he there might have been some arrogance or some anger or something, but that he dissipated and it. It was significant. It wasn't just, oh, I goofed up a little protocol issue. It was some sort of um, pride or arrogance or something involved in it. Uh, There's no doubt about it. The sin we're told that Moses did, uh significantly for Aaron, for Moses, nothing is mentioned about the golden calf or anything else. What's significant is that he struck the rock. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's a passage in the Christian scriptures in the New Testament about that. We, perhaps we'll visit that in a second. Mm-hmm. But let's stop and think. What was Moses' job? <laughs> what was his job? What was Moses' job? What did God uh, tell him to do? Chief executive, CEO. Yeah, he, was, he was like, as Billy Graham says, he's not God, but he was a rising young executive. <laughs> and, uh, okay. So, so what's happening is now he struck the rock. And then when you go back and you look at the passage in Numbers, because we'll, we'll look at it when we get over to Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. God says, sorry, you can't go because you struck the rock. But when you look at it and read the entire incident in Numbers, it says something fascinating. It says, because you did not 
teach faith than me. Mm-hmm. So why would that be important? Because Moses' job, why couldn't he go over? Because he didn't teach faith. Had he done exactly everything God said, I'm going to suggest that these three tribes would have obeyed the rules. Moses' job was to lead him into the land of Israel, and he didn't do it. These three did never made it. And he paid a price for his, a consequence for his for, lack of obedience. For hitting obedience. the rock, which means, and God says back in Numbers, you did not hit, you spoke to the rock. Mm-hmm. He still gave the water. You hit the rock, you didn't speak that, to that's it. That's yeah. right, you hit it. But you still got the water. But you didn't instill faith. You didn't show everybody. Well, he, sadly, he gave a, this is called a, an example. And then these three, they didn't go. So Moses didn't complete. We are taking a break, aren't About we? 45 seconds left. But we've we got a little time. There's our music. Okay. That's, uh, and then we'll, we can play, play well, What are we looking at when we come back in a moment? What, what, well, th- actually, this is right after this, right after this, we're going to get the entire exact boundaries of Israel. And it's given us the boundaries right after this incident. And guess what? Not one boundary of Israel is across the river where these three tribes are. You're getting reinforced on the boundaries. Hmm. Is that going to be relevant to the day's yes, time as well? All right. Well, there we have it, folks. Give us a call if you'd like to chime in, if you'd like to share a, a thought or ask a question. 340-9585, area code 210, and we'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. The old song is true. Christmas really is the most wonderful time of the year. Family, friends, presents, hot chocolate, twinkling lights, and most importantly, celebrating the birth of Jesus. But now, Christmas is over. Your tree is down. The lights and nativity are put away for next year. And that wonderful feeling just sort of disappeared. Well, consider this your official reminder that the happiness and joy of Christmas can be celebrated year-round. 
Jesus Christ offers you a free gift that can be accepted at any time. That gift is the forgiveness of your sins, the transformation of your life here on earth, and the promise of an eternity spent with God in heaven. It can all be yours at any time if you surrender your heart to Jesus. So really, right now can be the most wonderful time of the year. Learn how to begin a relationship with Jesus at findpeacewithgod.net. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. I need a savior. That's the message there, and uh, that's the message we're looking at here. We uh, are examining tonight the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. We finished up the book of Numbers this last week in our reading plan uh, through the scriptures each year, and uh, we've been talking about the three tribes, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh that requested from Moses that the land east of the Jordan be their portion of the promised land instead of obeying God's command, God's directions to them that they would go into the promised land together and that their land allotment would be there. Now, Moses went along with that. And what you're saying to us, Jacob, is that, and, and I'm a little surprised here in a way, to be honest. And I, and I want to... Are you surprised? I mean... Um, I, I, I'm a little surprised that, that uh, is this understood pretty much among Jewish well, I can people? Well, I this. Uh, I didn't know it myself until I was shown it in literature. Okay. So I didn't know this. I never put it together. I got it elsewhere. And when I went back and I read it, uh, that the Orthodox sages uh-huh. have said that their history records that these are the first three. Uh-huh. And so what's fascinating is is that if that's true, then we have a keener understanding of what was the genesis of your pardon right. of the rebelling ten tribes. In the importance of trusting God and obeying God. There's a real link here. I think a great lesson that could be taught here about the idea that faith, uh, what the Bible calls us to is faith obedience. Because uh, didn't you didn't you say that what God talked to Moses about is that you didn't, Teach faith. You, you didn't teach people right. to you trust. Didn't, you didn't respect me. Yeah. Didn't teach faith in me. And there's an old hymn: God. "Trust and obey." The faith, and obedience go together, and well, you have to and, demonstrate and our our faith a, by obeying. There's a companion laws among mm-hmm. the in the Torah, and it's this. Now, as far as I know, there may be some incidents that I not don't know, but as far as I know, Israel, the Jews. The uh-huh. nation of Israel uh-huh. has never be- had a war of conquest of other people's land. Every war, and why is that? Because there's a commandment, you shall not take other people's lands, because God gave those lands to other people. They're not the Jews. I mean, they, those lands don't belong mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. the Jews. But he said, I gave Israel 
the land of Israel to Israel to the Jews. Mm-hmm. So that's where they were going. So for them, the, as far as I know, there's never been a, a land conquest. A land grab, yeah. Mm-hmm. By, like there are from other nations. Which brings us to the idea of the boundaries that are set when they go in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, people might want to know what, you know, like the Six-Day War. It seems like there was some idea that they took some land from Egypt or this or that or the other. And I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, isn't that a, generally a thought that there well, was land that they took? Sure. Uh-huh. But but uh, you were going to talk to us during this segment about the the well, right the allotment the, of lands within. Right, yeah, right after this, starting uh-huh. in thirty three, mm-hmm. we've got the. It's important. It starts giving you this the journeys of the children of Israel. Numbers thirty three. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And you go down through here and you see all these journeys. Now I have never done it, but I have seen it mapped out. These places, some of them. Actually, nobody can say where they're physically <clears throat> located. But I have seen this this boundary, this puzzle, you might say, you know, like how you draw a puzzle by line to line. Uh-huh, right. You know, spot one to spot two. <laughs> Connect the dots. Connect the dots. That's what I was looking for. If you do that, believe it or not, it is the shape of Israel. Whoa, what a hit. So <laughs> well, let me, let me ask this uh, just for clarification, because I tried to cite it this morning in one of the lessons I taught uh, out at Lackland at the Air Force, with the basic trainees. And I, uh, I was speaking to uh, boy, a large gathering this morning of both the trainees, the new airmen, actually. They've just graduated from basic training, yeah. and they have their moms and dads and uncles and aunts and grandpa and grandma and, and baby sisters and brothers and sweethearts and <laughs> the family group. It's a, And I was talking to them about these stops in the wilderness, the, in the yeah. Uh, how many, 23 is it no, or 13? Four, no, 42. 42, okay. And you will never forget it again because I'm going to tell you why. I think it's because 42 represents the, I think I remember it. I just forgot the number. That was. It's. I don't know if it's why, but it's uh, the th- three groups of 14 generations uh, that are listed in uh, the uh, genealogy so of Messiah, was, right? You might say there were 42 stop, physical stops that they made. Well, when you get over to the book of Matthew, in the genealogy, you can phrase it like this. You can say there were 42 generational or spiritual stops to get to On the way to Messiah. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, but we want to talk about now the apportionment of land. Did these three tribes... Gad, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, did they receive an allotment, actually? There would have been an allotment, absolutely 100%. They had an allotment inside the boundaries, but I want to read you one sentence. Okay. Now, 33, chapter 33 tells us about the, the sort of the, the connecting the dots, as you said. That's what I was looking for. But then when you get to chapter 34 of Numbers, it starts off like this, and listen to this sentence. And God spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, when you come to the land of Canaan, Canaan, uh, this is this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance. And then in chapter thirty-four, it gives you the physical boundaries. So you got the, all the journeys of Israel that made kind of a shape. And then in thirty-four, you've got the boundaries given, and that's why it says this is the land that I said will be the inheritance of Israel. Nothing about on the other side of the river. Mm-hmm. So you've actually got it stated, so you're being told what the boundaries are. And when you compare that to one of the other laws in the, the laws of the Torah, is you cannot conquer and take somebody else's land because that's their land. That's their they land. even have a rule about not even moving boundary stakes or marks because each person's personal property does belong to them. Mm-hmm. Now, do... Um 
How do the boundaries and the allotment of land here that is laid out for us in Numbers chapter 34, how does that compare, for example, with the boundaries of uh, present-day Israel? Not at all. Not in in the least, huh? No, no. Actually. Is it larger in the scriptures or smaller? No, no. In, In the Bible, it is much larger. In fact... This is one of the reasons that uh, sometimes you hear the Arabs, the Palestinians, whoever, they complain about Israel has the goal to reestablish the boundaries as given in the Bible. And there may be there may be something to that. And I'll tell you why. The Jewish flag. Can you picture it in your mind? I can. Okay, it's what color is it? White with the blue star of David. It's got a blue star of David. And what's on either side of the star? Either side of the star. Yes, you're right again. It's a blue streak indicating a blue river. Uh-huh. That's and the nation of Israel from that river Mediterran- to oh. Israel. You see? Is it from the river to river or from Mediterranean to well, the river? Well, the Mediterranean, but from body of water to this Jordan River. That okay, crossed, okay? Got it. So Israel's in the center of that. That's the flag. So it's white. You got Israel by the star. And then you got the two bands that are really understood to be uh, two bodies of water. The eastern and western boundaries. boundaries and How about north and south? Uh, that's at the top and bottom of the flag. <laughs> Is it? It's not also blue, though. It's, uh, no, no, okay. no. But I will tell you this. Here's a question I always like to ask people. Since you mentioned the star, and it, there is a star there, how many points does the star have? I, uh, nobody can see that at home. <laughs> Radio has that distinctive, right? We don't. Uh, we're not visible. So I said five. Uh, five uh, points on the star. Five is Texas. Six then. Uh, it, well, okay. I, I love that question because uh, it's a. It, it is kind of a trick question. Well, good. I'm glad because you tricked me. Well, <laughs> I, I, I can't actually, say I know for sure, but I get I said, to, I'm many, guessing six. How many points? And everybody will look. Now, the five stars is actually for demonics things also. It's for like the goat head and that goat religion mm-hmm, and Satan mm-hmm. and all that. I think it's two, it's two triangles, right? The, it is two triangles. But I said how many points? And what people always do whenever I ask them that question, they count the outside points. And indeed... You get six. Oh. But they're not counting the inside points. That's another six. Twelve points. In other words, twelve tribes. So, you know, you got the two, you got the six outside. All right. Six where they meet the in, inside. Yeah, interior so angles, yeah. And I, I've caught a lot of people on that. Wow. I always enjoy that. Add one more. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the book of Numbers, before we kind of introduce Deuteronomy, a little bit of what it's about and give people a big picture of the book, uh, is there anything else we need to summarize in the book of Numbers? It's It really has been a fascinating journey this year. I picked up, uh, they, after you... Uh, after you've gone through these a number of times, you tend to think, well, I, I got it. But then there are always these new details, and, and they, they're they not new like they're totally out of the blue, but they they make sense in the context. And wh- what you've done this year, I think your, your explanation there about these three tribes, your explanation about Moses' mistake that he made and he paying the price of that not being go- able to go into the promised land. Now, later on in the New Testament, Moses... 
appears with Messiah mm-hmm. uh, on, uh, I think it's the Mount of Olives, and uh, uh, the, or, or it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. No, it's not the Mount of Olives. It's another, I think another, according to that map that we uh, p- that you put together for me, uh, that, that you got this. Sure, sure. He, he put together a great map for me, folks. It shows actually where Jesus did different things, the different major and, events and of his life. And if you order today, you also get the combination hearing aid, Vegematic. <laughs> no, well, it's in the... No, I'm joking. If you ca- check out the... There is not, it's not for sale. It's a December version of the National Geographic. They have a, a great article about what archaeology tells us about the life of Jesus of Nazareth. And it's very, very interesting, very helpful. I, I thought very even-handed and very, actually, very confirm, uh, confirming a lot of what we understand from the New Testament and from the historicity of the life of Jesus, the Messiah, and so on. It was really encouraging. And, and you've there's a map in there I found particularly helpful in Jacob help me get it uh, reproduced in a larger format, but uh, and I can't wait to get it. But what I'm trying to say to this is that uh, Jesus we, on that Mount of Transfiguration is with Moses and Elijah up here with him. And and I often think of the fact that Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land, but there he is now with the Messiah. And And I mentioned that to you and you said, well, that's significant because the Messiah is supposed, one of the primary duties or one of the understandings of, of the, what, the, what the, messiah the messiah will do shall accomplish is the returning of the 10 tribes so then moses's assigned job would have been accomplished then it can go into and it can go into the, <laughs> that's interesting i, I thought that, that tiny detail makes so much sense actually i will say that you said something about numbers and we'll just real quickly okay uh we do have in the book of numbers and a lot of people say this is the first time in history that's taken place which really is not correct we're gonna we'll clear that up uh that the daughters inherited land yes equal to the men Yes, right. We do. It is thought of, and and I I think in many of the commentaries and Christian circles and so on that this was a remarkable event, and that the daughters were given uh, the daughters of um, uh, Ja, just something of it. Zelophehad. Zelophehad. That's right. They say our men, their men were killed in battle or something. Uh, The father was killed. He had no sons, so only the daughters were there. And they petitioned Moses and said, "Hey, how come we got to lose our land?" Moses made a ruling, and many people take this to mean this is the first time that women were allowed to inherit land equally with men. But Soapy, you and I know it's not. Oh, yes. I knew that from the very beginning. Yes. And you're going to remind me of how I'm I knew that. I'm going to tell you. And you have a Bible with you. Uh, I do. I do. If you were to be so bold hmm. as to look in the oldest book in the Bible, which I is. I can do that. Uh-huh. What, what book Job. Job. And in chapter 4215, if you want to read that for the benefit of the audience, they may find it in the oldest book of the Bible, what the rules among the Jews were, and women and the land. 4215. I had a discussion with someone this week about um, when the laws of God were put in place, and Sinai and so on, and I I, I told them, you know, there's good evidence that actually these laws existed, that there were these principles, uh, we talked about the Noahic laws, and then coming... uh, And actually, a verse always helps. These weren't brand new, right? A verse always helps. Yeah, it does, it really does. It's in Genesis. Okay. Uh, I'll get that verse from you later. Now, in Job chapter 42... And while I'm looking 15. at, are you talking about his children? Or his? Well, it says 15, 42, okay. 15. It says here in 42, 15, he named his first daughter Jemima, 
the second Kazia Kazaya, and the third Karen Hapuk. Karen, I like Karen. Maybe that's where we get Karen. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job. Hmm. That's an interesting statement. <laughs> and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. How about that? Uh, is that how it re- translates in your version? That's what it says. Well, yeah. Okay, in the will. Well, in in the other version it says, and they inherited the land equal with their brothers. Okay. So uh, I guess the way they're translating is the will. Yeah. And where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> there's land. So, well, okay, but, but, so, so, it, so see, it's not new. It's, so it's, uh, actually, so what's happening is here, Moses wasn't creating a law. The oldest book in the Bible, Job, had established that, and it was always. See, people do get the Jewish culture mixed up with the Arab. Uh, men, women could not be bought and sold in the Jewish culture. That's 100% wrong. No, it is Arab. But And if you want to see an example, remember when uh, uh, Eleazar goes to get a bride uh, for uh, Jacob, and he comes and he talks to Laban. And he brings gifts. But who does he give the gifts to? He gives something, you know, a, a paltry something to Laban, etc. But he gives the gifts to, to Rebecca. the girl, to Rebecca. And then he says, well, i got to take her with me. She's got to come. And what do they say? They say, well, let's call the girl and ask her if she wants What's to, to go. go. Yeah. Because the Jewish law has always been a man, a husband, can actually not make a woman move more than, I think it's, uh, I think it's maybe ten miles. I, I got that. I'm a little weak uh-huh, on it. Uh-huh. But the, the so, the girls, the Jewish women, always had the right to say, I want to marry. I don't want to marry. Maybe that's the problem you have in romance. You begin trying to get people to move more than ten miles away from their home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> uh, I got him stammering, folks. I, I got I took him on that one. Well, but, but <laughs> well, then let's. Um, so anyway, but so I'll, my point is, though, of course, with uh, these daughter, the daughters of uh, Zelophehad, yeah. They inherited, but and people say, "Oh, that's the first time." Well, it's not really, mm-hmm. um, because the women could have. Okay, it. what I'm getting here is a picture that, uh, and I and I've I've captured from this from you in the past as well, Jacob. When we look at the scriptures and we talk about the priority, and 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 the. Um, the primary function of the laws of God, uh, they stand, they're unbreakable in the sense that uh, if you break them, you, there is a consequence to be paid. And so what you're saying is that the people of Israel rightly, right, correctly instructed and guided, uh, there was never uh, slavery, there was never man-owning, there was never... The, mm-hmm. Now, it happened at times, but they also paid a price for the, all that dis, those, dis, those instances, there are, right? There are, you know, obviously, there are good Jews, there are bad Jews. There mm-hmm. are good Muslims, yes, there are yeah. bad Muslims. Mm-hmm. They're all good and bad. Uh, technically speaking, the but from God, yes. if God had a book and he said, this is from me and you can have slaves, I'm going to be honest with you, I would not be comfortable and I probably would have to find me a different religion. I would not be comfortable with that. Now, but the Bible that you and I share absolutely says there is only two ways that a person can be a slave. And the word in Hebrew is eved, but we'll just call it a slave. Uh-huh. And there's only two ways. Eved is uh, sometimes translated servant. It if I, depends if on I the skill of the translator, uh-huh. sometimes and context. Uh-huh. They can say it's a servant, it's a slave. But 
You remember when Eleazar, we just mentioned him, he comes to find uh, Abraham, right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Right. Yes. And what does Abraham do? He buys him, pays off the guy, uh-huh. and then he gives him his freedom because slavery is forbidden. This guy was an innocent man. Now, that's the catch. The only two ways in from God in the Bible is that you could be a slave, we'll say, is one, if, I always make a joke about this, but one, if you're a thief, or two, you're a baseball player. Uh-huh. And I'm joking. Mm-hmm. But uh, a thief means, like, if I steal $1,000 from you, uh, well, the punishment is i got to give you a 1000 back that I took, but I have to do something additional because if I only have to pay it back, uh, the rule becomes... Hey, better luck next time. Mm-hmm. But so what's happening is, so I have to give you your thousand back plus give you a thousand from myself. But suppose I'm a poor person and I don't have a thousand. Which but is why you stole it in the first that's place. That's why I stole it in the first place. So now I have to work for you, not for two thousand, but for just the one thousand. But I work for you. And during that time, when that's paid off, I'm free. But during that time I'm working for you, that is how you, one, in uh, category one, become a slave. And you have to work that off. When you work that off, during that time, and the guy that was the victim of your theft, he is required to teach you, to teach you Torah. The right laws of wrong. God. That's yeah. right. And then when you go free, it actually says in Deuteronomy, he has to furnish you liberally. From his flock. In other words, I have to teach you right from wrong because obviously you. And then I have to give you a couple things to get started in your new life so you don't have to be a thief anymore. And I was the victim. Now, the second way is is a, a wow. indentured servant is probably a better word. The second way is is if you, uh, yeah, I say baseball player, but you sign a contract. Suppose you need 100 grand for a surgery for your wife. And I'll say, I'll loan you the 100 grand, but you got to take care of my fields for. Two years, three mm-hmm, years, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I make a contract with it's you. A contractual it's job. a contractual job. Now, that also is the way, but that is the only two ways that God ever said that you could have, quote-unquote, a slave. Now, do human beings do things differently and do it wrong? Of course. But I wouldn't want a God that says slavery is good. Mm-hmm. And we all know there is one major religion in the world that seems to endorse slavery. That couldn't be more antithetical to what the Christian and the Jewish God, of God scriptures, says. Yeah, the God of the scriptures, yeah. Uh, well, all of that's instructive, and, and I guess what I was trying to go into is that the laws of God stand, they're in force, they work, they function, and you may not pay an immediate price, but when we break God's laws, and I'm thinking about the whole idea of when we dwell together as God's people. Uh, I, I mean, the end... The end game of the scriptures, as I understand them at least, uh-huh. is that someday human history as we know it will come to an end and God will have accomplished his purpose in the human race and that he's calling out a people for himself and will go together, the people of God together, those uh, who have, have become part of God's people through their, their faith, their trust, their obedience, their longing for God, desire for God, and through the sacrifice of Calvary, the Messiah, the redemptive plan that God has carried out, then we will be with him when we brought into that oneness relationship with the in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and that we'll dwell with him. And and I assume at that time that we will dwell together in some kind of an am, an atmosphere, some kind of a, a society where, where the laws of God will be common and, and the way we treat each other, the way we respond to each other. And it's sometimes I... I know it sounds kind of in a way fairy tale ish and, you know... Uh, 
but the whole idea of the Messiah coming someday and, and liberating uh, Israel and carrying out the redemptive plan, that was considered kind of fairy taleish. But then it happened one one winter night in 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 uh, in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem, a, a baby was born and, and the Messiah came. Well, it's going to happen again, and history will close. But we'll live, we'll live in that sense, and that, and that that will be a contest where we live within within God's laws. We'll. They'll be written in our heart, in our hearts, in our minds. There'll be a desire. And I often try to picture that. I try to think, what kind of a society will we be? And, of course, obviously we we don't know. I, the only context I know to think about it is, I guess, is an earthly context. But it may not be that. It may be we dwell in an entirely well, you know spiritual what, sphere. But you know Jesus, the laws of God will be functioning. Jesus said, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a quote from mm-hmm. the, That's right, the, from the, the Lord's Testament. Prayer, exactly. Uh, but it's a quote from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And if you read the rest of the sentence... Most of the things he said <laughs> were uh, quotes from the, the Old Testament. the rest of it says, uh-huh. let your will be done on earth as heaven, and let us follow your laws. So God's will on earth... And I'm really responding to something you said. Mm-hmm. It seems to be that we do his laws on earth. Right. In other words, make earth as best we as human beings can, like heaven. Yeah. And so that becomes your responsibility. And you said, well, I realize I'm talking in an earthly term, but from especially from a Jewish point of view, the Jews believe that's the job of the Jews to make earth as close as we can to heaven. And the way we do that is by doing those laws. You're talking about God-fearing, faithful. I'm talking about Jew, all, all, Jewish men and women. Yes, sir. Yeah, sure. Uh, Th- those but, that, yeah. that believe it, sure. But so what you got is that's fascinating. Now I will tell you this, and if anybody's out there have a pencil, piece of paper, they can write this down. In the Ten Commandments, you've got the rule about uh, uh, you shall not steal. Mm-hmm. That that term in the Ten Commandments actually. It's always been understood as you shall not steal a man. A man. Uh-huh. No slave. Mm-hmm. You shall not kill. You don't commit adultery. You know, you don't hurt people and you don't make them a slave. Now, that's chapter 20 of Exodus. Uh-huh. But if you look at chapter 21, I see you happen to have a Bible. I do. Uh, 21, we're talking about slavery. If you look at chapter 21 of Exodus, and I apologize, it's either verse 14, no, 15 or 16. It actually defines the term from the Ten Commandments where it says slay, uh, steal. Uh-huh. In the old King James, it says, the old King James, it says, you shall not steal a man. But in the more modern ones, and I know you've got uh-huh. a modern one, uh-huh. it'll say something close to it, but a different idea. It's, uh-huh. I think it's 21, 15 or 16. Anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. Okay, and that's then not it. It has nothing to do with six, mother and father. Verse 16 is kidnappers must be put to death, whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them as slaves. Ah, you see what it's saying? Yes. Slavery, unless those two standards I told you about, is a death penalty. I have wondered almost all my adult life, what would have happened in the South, in America, uh-huh. had people actually said, this is what this is about. Th- that law has always been there. That, is it 2116? Uh-huh, uh-huh. 2116. 
And it's really citing it from the Ten Commandments. That we're not to own men and women. We're not to buy and sell. The only way there are slaves are those two examples I gave. But the point is, what would have happened had they put that in church and said, look, you can do wrong, you can do what you want to do, you can break the laws, you can break God's laws. But the truth is, God says you can't have a slave. I've often wondered, what would have happened had that been taught that way? Rightly understood, the the scriptures in that portion. And then the old King James, which many people used in... Uh, early America, it wow. says, you shall not steal a man. And if God's you, laws. And if you sell him or you get caught in his hand, it's a death penalty. God's laws are true, they're reliable, dependable, and the consequences are sure and certain, both if we obey, blessing, and, and if we disobey. Go. Blessings and curses. 340-9585. Give us a call if you'd like. 210-340-9585. We'll be back for our final segment. All right, bring your troubles, lay them down, leave them there at the foot of the cross, Uh, experience your forgiveness, your cleansing, and walking by faith into that relationship with God, uh, you know, a, a secure, confident relationship with the Creator, and then begin to walk with Him. And He's writing His laws. This is one of the things we're talking about here in the books of uh, uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy, is that God is writing His laws now, not out there on a sheet of paper or on some tablets for us to read and kind of obey, but He's He's writing them on our hearts now. That's an exciting truth uh, that we can experience. There's something going on here in the background. Let me get that out of there. It got me. Uh, it got me. The out- outro kicked in, but I'll. Can I start it up later again? Is that the way to do it? All right. Well, we've got one more segment before we have to do our outro, and you are welcome to give us a call, 340-9585, area code 210. We're looking at the books of Numbers, uh, this time that the people of Israel spend out in the wilderness, wandering through wilderness. We've talked about the fact that Numbers is seen as, in some ways, sometimes it's seen as a picture of our life experience here on, on planet Earth, and when they enter across the Jordan and enter into the promised land, often is seen as uh, rolling, going through the portal of death into the promised land, into heaven. And so we, there's some life lessons for us in the experience of the people of Israel in the book of Numbers. And Jacob has been pointing out some of the finer points and some of the specific uh, cases of uh, Moses and Joshua and these tribes that Reuben, Gad, and, and uh, Manasseh and so on, and the women there who uh, asked for this uh, this exception to be made so that they could inherit land. Uh, all of these things that we've been looking at them, and, and we see that God's laws are there. They prevail. They work. They they function when we obey them. And so uh, we're looking at that. Now we're going to turn a little bit of our yeah. attention to the book of Deuteronomy. Yes. And look at the Deuteronomy means the second law or in Greek it does. Oh, in the Greek I, I say what is it called in Hebrew? Darvin. Darvin means the words. 
Okay, the, word. the words of Moses. All right, uh, and that interesting. Um, now, read the very read the very first sentence. A lot of people don't realize what it really is going on in Deuteronomy. Hang on. And you see why the Greeks call it the second law. The Lord called to Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel when you present an animal as an offering to the Wait Lord. Wait are you in chapter 1? Of Deuteronomy. Oh, Deuteronomy. <laughs> I'm going to say, man, they have really changed Well, that. I was just testing you out there. I, I didn't get to over far enough. To, I got to I was in the wrong book. Uh, right pew, but the wrong church. Let me see. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness uh, east of the Jordan there River. There you go. Listen okay. to that sentence. Mm-hmm. Now, remember... We just learned that Moses can't cross over, and he allowed these guys, these three tribes, to stay over there. So he can't cross over. So where did this take place? On the east side yeah, of the Jordan. Yeah, okay. that's what it says, right? what you just read. And it doesn't say this is God speaking. These are Moses' words. Mm. That's what I want to point out. Wow, now, that's a I am going to tie this up for something that's going to give you a heart attack. I don't, I'm joking about the heart attack. Okay, thank you. Uh, now, what I want to give you is, is some view of what I've picked up of the, the general view of Deuteronomy is that um, at least, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I tend to always say this with a little fear and trembling because the, the background and so on is, is sometimes quite different, but it, it, we see it as, um, no, we, I don't know who we, we but, uh, but in my studies, it's, the it's, mouse in your it's pocket. Moses giving, yeah, me and the mouse in my pocket, we we see the book of Deuter- Deuteronomy first and foremost as a, it, it is said to us that it's four or five messages that uh, Moses I've gives, seen that categorized that way. Sure. That he gives on the east side of the Jordan uh, during this, uh, what is the last, uh, uh, during a weeks. month of period. Actually, five weeks. Uh, okay. And that he, these are in the outline of, from what I understand, uh, a the uh, a treaty of that era uh, oh, that that a I conquering that. king yeah. would sign with his vassal state. Vassal. When he, that the format of the uh, book of Deuteronomy Except, is supposedly comes I, from that. I would prefer to suggest this is Moses's last will and testament. He, okay. he knows he's not going in, he's going to die. So something's very important to him. So if we knew that we were going to die tomorrow morning, we wanted to tell our children something, we'd be very, very careful to say that what's most important that we want our children to hear. And so it says, these are the words of Moses to all Israel mm-hmm. on the other side of the Jordan, on the east, and next to the wilderness. So he's actually, because he can't cross over, so he calls everybody there and he says, listen, I'm not going over, but I want to tell you the whole story. Mm-hmm. He kind of rehearses the story. You can see why the Greeks call it the second law. But really, he's... Well, like, uh, my understanding of that is that it's not because... It, it's a second law. Uh, they're not different laws, really, but right. it's a second giving of the second law. Giving. Maybe to another generation that has well, now the let, other let older me, generation has passed, and now he's sure. giving to Are another generation of. This is what I was going to say, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope you got your seatbelt on. Okay. Uh, uh, Are you familiar with anything that could mm, loosely or tightly resemble this? Moses, like on this. Uh, escalated piece of land, this uh, perhaps a low mountain, whatever. Uh, is there anything 
like this teaching that you can recognize that takes place in the New Testament? <laughs> yes. What might I, that I be? I think of the uh, Matthew 5, 6, 7, 8, the, the sermon, what we call the Sermon what on the Mount. What call the Sermon on the uh-huh. Mountain. Aha. Mm-hmm. Now, why would Jesus choose to do that? Well, because if I remember correctly, isn't one of the final commands is that the, uh, the king or the leader is supposed yes. to teach God's laws. Uh-huh. Uh, in Deuteronomy, we won't get to it tonight because we're only going up to chapter 6. Uh-huh. But later on in Deuteronomy, we're going to actually take a look at where it's the commandment. So we know by reading this, because Jesus, as we all understood, mm-hmm. did not violate God's laws. Mm-hmm. And that being the case, we know exactly what time... And what time, I'm stressing, that Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mountain? Because in the Hebrew, this is called a hakel. This is not the only time that this takes place. I know of nine times in the quote-unquote Old Testament this takes place. Yes, uh, uh I remember the young, the young king, um, yeah. the 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 child king. He came to the throne when he was eight years old. Is one Hezekiah? I think was another Hezekiah. Uh, I, I know Ezra, there are these. Yeah, when, when the king does take seriously this mandate to to read the scripture, to teach uh-huh. the law to yes, the people. That's right. And so when you in the New Testament, you've got Jesus as called the Sermon on the Mountain. Some people call it the Beatitudes, whatever. Uh, what you've got is he's not making this up. This is not a first time event. Only one person is allowed to do this. And it says, we're going to look at it probably next week, it has to be, quote-unquote, the king of Israel. So by Jesus doing that, he's throwing down the gauntlet, may I say, and the Romans know, whoa, this guy's saying he's the king of Israel. That's part of, part of what's going on. So when we read this, Moses is actually giving his interpretation now. And I apologize, I don't recall the chapter, but I think it's chapter 15, 16. We don't have to look at it right now because I don't Uh know. But later on is the first time in Deuteronomy that God speaks to Moses again. Mm -hmm. So this is all about Moses telling his side, his will and testament. And it's the last five weeks of his life. In the book of Deuteronomy, we actually get... 7070 new laws. There are 70 laws in the book of Deuteronomy that we're not familiar with in the other four books. Now, this is going to, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. I, I, <laughs> I love this. Was, when was I going to have the heart attack? About the, the, what Jesus was doing was not original. Oh, yeah, well, that, that is pretty astounding. And, and I actually, uh, you've told us that before, and, I, and I've always been encouraged by that. That's an amazing thing sure. that he was, that, that the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and I and I've shared that with others and helped them to see it, that it really wasn't just some sort of a nice little sermon that Jesus gave, uh, even though it's based on the Old, the Old Testament and all that. But it was actually him. It was a messianic claim in and of itself is that he was being obedient to do what the leader is supposed to do and the teach the oh, Torah sure. to the people. And only the amazing, king. amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating. Now, this is interesting. Now you don't have to look it up if you don't like, but. At the end of at Gen, from let's say Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, they all begin with a word in Hebrew. Now I don't know if they translated that word in the English or not. I haven't looked, uh-huh. but it all all four of those books begin with the word and, 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 and. But when we get to Deuteronomy, it doesn't say and. It starts off. These are the words of Moses. 
Well, I'm mean, curious about that. I'm going <laughs> to... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, no. okay. Uh, so uh, you're Jesus. saying the first, even the book of Genesis and... Uh, Genesis begins with, in the beginning. Okay. But at, uh, with all the other books that begin with the word and, the Hebrew word that. and. I've but never when you noticed get that here, detail, this is yeah. Moses. Uh-huh. So Moses has started a tradition. No, it doesn't go into the English, okay. but that's okay. interesting. That's all right. But uh, so we got that connection, though, with the word and. In Hebrew, it's vav, but that's and. Mm-hmm. So what's fascinating is we get down in here. We get the law about the king. Only the king can do this. And you'll find it, again, I, I forgot, but that you actually find it done again in Joshua. Because he is more or less yes. the king. Yeah, I remember that. Because at the end of Joshua, uh, uh, he, he does that, right? It, it's actually mentioned again that the king should do this. That's every. Right. So what's going on is this whole thing is not just haphazardly put together. The story is meant to convey to us exactly what Moses did is exactly what the kings did and exactly what Jesus did. And it gives us a time, date, month. We know. We know the year. So I have looked at that, and I basically, I I think I figured out, because we usually are told that Jesus' ministry was a three-year period, correct? Uh Uh-huh. Three to three and a half or something like that. So this can only be done by the king and only once every seven years. Mm-hmm. So that seven-year anniversary had to occur within those three years. So I've sat down and tried to work it out, and I think I know exactly when it was taking place. Hmm. The, the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, huh? because it has to be done. And if he only had three years, then the last, the one it had to occur, the hakel, it's called. Uh-huh. It had to occur on that anniversary date, but within that three-year period. Within that three-year period. And that was his declaration to the world, to Israel, to the Romans. I am the king of Israel. Uh, well, yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. It always has from the first time you told it, and I, and and I can see that that as part of of what we see happening in, in the in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me ask you this: We were talking off the air uh, uh, just before we came back from this from that last break about the complication of us as God's people obeying God's laws. What makes it more difficult is that we are called upon to obey his laws in a very confusing, chaotic, rebellious world where good and evil coexist. And that quite often many of the decisions that we have to make as as God's people uh, to obey God, we're not often, quite often our decision is not between doing what God wants or not doing what God wants. Sometimes our decision is between, we have to choose between two evils. I mean, in a, in a way, we're not given an option uh, to, of actual obeying the law. And, we, and I'm, I'm curious about, and I mentioned that earlier when we talk about living in God's society and God's kingdom, but you mentioned the fact that the role of, of, the, of the people of Israel, and you said something to me was, Quite striking. It always has been that that is that's one of that's the role that Egypt that, that not Egypt but Israel that was the role that you were supposed to historically traditionally and in, in a mandate from God that you were supposed to yes. clarify that not help me. us with these no, not, uh, not you personally but I'm but I, but you are doing that you're helping us in that in that well, I couldn't do it without you well you got to have somebody to straighten out that's oh, no, it's not that it's not, I know I know let's face it you've done this radio show for in the twenties of years yeah now, what, twenty four years you've also been charged of 
Campus Crusade for mm-hmm. now 30 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. You also put on the National Day of Prayer. Okay, so yeah. I polished you up pretty good. Yeah. Okay. But the truth is, if it wasn't for you bringing me into this forum, I wouldn't be able to do it. So, you know, you kind of... You know what? It, it basically was our listeners. <laughs> they started calling and saying, is Jim there? And I, okay, I guess I'm going to have to get him in here. But I'm really grateful for that. I really am. But uh, I, I like that, and I, and I thought of that. Now, is that part of our role now, too, as uh, now that we've, we're grafted in, we're part of Israel, the people of Israel? But, boy, I tell you, you guys have got this history. You've got this linguistic advantage uh, it sure is important. I, I hope that you can stir up uh, more of a sense of that in in, in other uh, Jewish men and women who know the scriptures, who love God, and that they can really be helpful to a lot of us. That uh, we we seem to have captured like the big picture, the redemptive plan of God and the Messiah and the Savior, yeah. but we we. We don't have as clear an understanding of these the laws of God and as to how we should treat each other and how we should live. We've been kind of confused between the ideas of uh, we've got this. And, and part of it is when we read our Old Testament, it, it's not exactly as clear to us. And uh, we sometimes don't capture the real law. You know, I don't. We didn't capture the fact that thou shalt well, not steal means you shouldn't kidnap. It, well, actually, you. Uh, we were talking during the break, uh-huh. and they said, and I said, look, even if somebody does not know that rule, they can't cite that chapter and verse. Even uh-huh. if they can about slavery being the death penalty. Yeah, you said even this. If they yeah. can't. A real Christian. I believe, I fully believe in my heart, a real Christian would say, you know, I may not be able to tell, give you a chapter and verse rule, but I know in my heart that's wrong. So they, they know even if they can't tell exactly where to find it. I, I, I can see that in a I really can see that in a way, and I think that would be true, to be very honest with you. I, uh, I, I think I had that same... I think I had that same gut reaction to the concept of I mean a number of different concepts and uh, morality, ethics, and so on. Uh, I, the same concept about uh, abortion. I knew in my heart before. I mean, before I even knew, you know, back in the seventies when it was uh, deemed to be a part of the uh, the right of, of everyone to do this. I, I couldn't cite verse and chapter i know those now i know that how the scriptures do clearly speak to that but i knew in my heart you know that's not right and maybe it's just because i'm an orphan kid you know and uh, and i was kind of siding with the, the poor little underdog kid that had no one to stand for him but yeah there i think you're right that they're probably in the heart of a person truly god-seeking person there is this understanding no that's just not right and, and uh, uh hopefully uh, that would make sense that you're right god's spirit is there teaching us but anyway let, um let's jump back i've kind of gotten off into a level of conjecture well, you know, there there's but something else here i, uh-huh. I want to point out now we know the story about sending the so-called ten spies uh the shellakin the emissaries you might say 12 12 yes Spies. And, and so, but look in chapter two of Deuteronomy, and look at verse eleven. Mm-hmm. Look what it says. Something says something very interesting. Is this the one where <laughs> I think, uh, if it's what I'm thinking of, because uh, Joshua actually sends some emissaries in. Uh, oh no, we're yeah. still back in the time of Moses uh, yeah. here. Chapter two, verse what? Uh, ten. 10 and 11, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's 10 and 11. A race of giants. Hmm. 
I've given them as ours their property. Don't bother the Moabites and the descendants. They start a war with them. I've given them ours their property, and I will, I will not give you any of their land. Then it says, a race of giants, parenthetically, a race of giants called the Emites had once lived in the area of Ar. They were as strong and numerous and tall as the Anakites, another race of giants. Uh, both the Emites and the Anakites are also known as the Rephaites, though the Moabites call them Emites. Now, uh, that's a piece I of information that um, Moses. Do you know? Do you know wh- who that is? Take the word giant, because that's what's getting translated as. But you miss kind of the message here. The word in Hebrew is something you're very familiar with. Uh, hang on, hang on. Uh, I'm is hanging that the, on. Is that from Genesis? It is chapter six. There were giants in the land in that time, and, and they, they were called. Uh, I'm going to look for it. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah. Uh, they were. Oh shoot! It doesn't have it, does it? No, they, uh, they your were, version doesn't have it. Does it use the word giants in your version? In, in those days, there was Nephilites. Nephilites. Nephilim. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the Nephilim. Now, what we're being told about these Raphim, these Emim, uh, uh, Emites, uh, yes, yeah, so whatever. Uh, so all these, these are Nephilim. Wow. Now, how could that be if they all died in this flood? Genesis six does not say they died in the flood. It says, in those days, th- there were Nephilim, comma, before and after. I'm doing that for memory. Uh-huh. Does it say that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So afterwards there were, too. So hmm. we're actually saying... So they knew how to tread water, evidently. <laughs> well, or something. It has to be some oh, okay. explanation. But Moses tell them, look, there were... Uh, there were... Uh, um, these guys, and they were giants. They're not just giants. You see, if we say giant, we've got the idea of something that's just a tall guy. But if they're Nephilim, we understand there's something more evil here going on, no matter what tradition you subscribe to. Um, it's, uh, but it's something about, because you know, a lot of everybody talks about, was this a, a interbreeding of angels or demons? Yeah, or whatever, from, right? the, but this, from Genesis they're, they're, 6, yeah. Moses telling them, look, these guys, these guys over here, they're not just giants. There's something evil about these guys. And he doesn't give them that, that part of the land. Uh, well, it's interesting. It really is. And, of course, it raises up a whole question. Well, did somebody survive the flood? Or was it genetically did uh, the family of Lot, he and his three sons, and uh, did they somehow have the genetic potential within them somehow in the mix of things? That, the son of Lot. That, that the, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant I meant Noah. No. This, boy, I really messed that up. But could that have been in the mix How somehow in their genetics? Moses take on the ark. Huh? How many animals did Moses take on the ark? Uh, are you? Is this a trick question? I don't think so. Two of each. No. Is that no? Moses didn't take any on. Noah. Ah! <laughs> it was a trick. <laughs> it was a trick. It I was Noah. You yeah, you sure did. Uh, okay, so uh, Deuteronomy. Let's get uh, well, now. That, this understanding of Deuteronomy was that, that Moses spoke with in the terms of a treaty between a king, uh, you know, in the in the a vassal state that he had conquered, and that it was kind of a contractual format that he used, which I thought always made sense since he was raised in the palace of Egypt. Uh, he probably knew about these sort of things, and 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 and. Uh, Put his last will testament here, perhaps in that in that 
contractual form. I don't know. Is that not at all? You've never heard of anything like that? In, I have, and I hear people in quote Jewish that circles. All the time. Sure, and I, I hear some uh, sophisticated Jewish folks. Oh well, it's a, just a contract, you know, mm-hmm. uh, between like all the other kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I personally, that kind of grades, grades against me because I'm thinking, eh, th- this is not a contract like other kingdoms. This is between the God and Israel. Mm-hmm. So, but how long exactly was the traveler? We say forty years. Would you like to know what it actually says in Deuteronomy? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm not interested in what the Bible says. Uh, no, no. Anyway, let's, let's ask John. Does it give a different time then? John shaking his head, no, he doesn't want to know. He doesn't want us to ask him. Well, take a look at chapter 2 uh-huh. and look at verse 14. It gives us how long it was. Now, we say rounded off 40, but Moses tells us how long it was. Look Hang on, two, it says. 2.14. 38 years passed from the time uh, we first left Kadesh Barnea uh, uh, until we finally... Uh, crossed the Zered Brook. By then, all the men old enough to fight in battle had died in the wilderness, as the Lord had vowed would happen. The Lord struck them down until they had all been eliminated from the community. Uh-huh. Now, wait, though. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You Doesn't the book of Deuteronomy, uh, the, the 23, uh, I mean, the 42 stops that we looked, talked about, mm-hmm. doesn't that begin? The first of those stops is in Egypt still, right? Uh, when they come, yeah, when they're first coming out. When they're coming out yeah, of Egypt. They list in chapter 33 the 42 stops. Would that be part of the time period or not? Uh, that is part of the time period, yes. Okay. But I want, to, I want you to also notice something else. So it's actually technically 38 years, but take a look at your verse, uh, uh, actually, uh, 15, 16. Look at who really died, because one of the neat questions is, so who did die in the wilderness? When all the men of fighting age had uh, died. So... Yeah. When people say, I was careful to say that earlier you, on. Did you, you were, in fact, it was fastidiously precise of you. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to say, learning, buddy. So, uh, so but what we got is, we've got people say, oh, everybody died. The whole generation, no, they did not. The ones under age 20 did not mm. die. The women did not die. Only the men of war. And I hear music. And so, may I say. I would like for you to say, uh-huh. um, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. And that's our show for this evening. Thanks, folks, for joining us and uh, for learning along with us in uh, the book of books here, uh, God's Word. So we'll be back next week with The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.